talk about? There's Wanted Two coming out. Is there? Oh gosh. Yeah, it's been announced because he's he also writes that. Yeah. Is that the one where they curve the bullet? Yes, that's the curving the bullet one. <laughs> My favorite James <laughs> Wanted. Oh, poor McAfee. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Cage Equation with Malcolm Mickelson and me, Drake Mickelson. Each episode, we will assign where the blame lays and spoiling a perfect Nicolas Cage performance. To apply the Cage Equation, we'll start with Cage's perfect 100 and subtract the Metacritic score, which gives us the points, Nick, that we'll split between the director, writers, and Cage stars. This week, we watched Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass was released in 2010, 118 minutes long, a budget of $30 million with a box office of $96 million, and got an astounding 66 out of 100 and the Metacritic, which gives us 34 to account for. In Kick-Ass, a high school nerd named Dave Lewinsky buys a scuba suit and becomes an underqualified vigilante Kick-Ass. Helped by the psychotic father-daughter duo of... Big Daddy, which is played with fatherly gusto by Nicolas Cage and his daughter, Hit Girl. They take down the mob boss, Frank D'Amico, while piling up a very large body count. Uh, I guess we'll start off with the typical question. Uh, Malcolm, how did you like this movie? I don't know. It was a very forgettable movie, I feel like. is my my feeling after seeing it twice. I still don't know if I remember most of what happens in it. So I was feeling the same way. It I think it, it suffers a couple things. Like, it's one of the first... One of those first superheroes being movies being made, but at the same time, so they hit all the points. Basically, followed the comic book, I think, beat for beat, and didn't actually try to make a movie. No, and it feels like only like two or three things actually happen in it, and the rest is just nondescript action scenes. Which I was kind of disappointed. I remember watching this when I was younger, and I think it was just because it was the first like violent superhero movie, or one of the first. Um, I remember the action scenes being super cool, but I was kind of let down by it, re-watching it. There was uh, some bad CGI with the swords going through chests and stuff like that. Um, I couldn't the, decide, was that bad CGI, or were they trying to stylize it like a comic book world? I couldn't tell if they were just really bad at what they were doing. <laughs> like, so bad they accidentally did something that almost looked cool. But most of the special effects don't look like comic books. It's just the swords, really, that did. Yeah, I think a lot of that was they were trying to um, keep, was it, Chloe Martz away from the actual violence within it. Because if you watch the whole choreographing, she's it's always a cut to her and then a cut back to somebody who's obviously a stunt double doing most of this, mm-hmm. that stuff. So I think they were very cognizant of the fact that they didn't want her to actually be in any scene where anything actually happened. And then, of course, they had the big thing where she said the C word right in the middle, too. And they still got a lot of heat from it, even though they tried really hard not to not to put, mix it together in, in real life. So I think they're trying to. I mean, I think I think it was a good idea at that time, especially that when you're dealing with child actors, you can't just throw them in the middle of this stuff. And back then, it was even more so. Yeah, um, did they get a lot of heat? Oh, it was it was huge. Yeah, yeah, it was huge with the that she said the c word she said that that was huge and then she said a few other i think she dropped the f-bomb a couple times and then there was the fact that she was killing people it was kind of funny that the yeah. the bad word she said was worse than any other part of what what she did but that's what they really <laughs> focused on was the fact that she had said a bad word 
it was forgettable. I think it was just forgettable. I think like once again, though, it's it's just a sign of the times. We're we're so used to seeing the origin stories. We're so used to seeing all this other stuff. All the actual halfway interesting stuff is the stuff that they kind of glossed over. I thought um, they didn't talk about him and his dad very much, or or his mom. I mean, that seemed to be more interesting in a lot of ways than a lot of the other stuff they went through. Yeah, they don't talk at all about what's going on with this family. His dad makes one comment about how his mom would have been proud of him. Um, I will say his dad handles what I'm assuming is several hundred thousand dollars of of medical debt very well. <laughs> not saying he, he's obviously happy because his son survived, but he also does not seem phased at all that he got like 97 plates put into his body. Yeah, you look at I Well, you watch the whole dad's performance. I don't I, I think it's very obvious his dad's just completely depressed the entire movie, as yeah. he is too. And that really is something that just seemed to skim over the whole time, which I I was a little more interested in than some of the other stuff. I didn't really find the bad guys interesting at all. Um, Hit Girl wasn't really that interesting for me either. I, I didn't. Nicolas Cage's performance was hilarious because I think it's one of the most normal performances he's ever given as the dad. Minus whatever he, I don't know what happened when he was getting burned alive, but it <laughs> was like this really odd accent. I don't, yeah, it was just weird. I don't even remember what he said. I just remember the sound of it, like a you, screech. Yeah, he's giving instructions on to her what to do all the way through. Use your, use what, night vision on or whatever. And he was just screaming the whole time. Which are probably actually, if you're burning alive, would a lot of that might make more sense. I'm just not sure about the cinematic equivalent on it if it works real well. But well, uh, also, the Nicolas Cage, the other weird thing about him in this is, I swear, I don't, I also don't know if this is real, but when it's Nicolas Cage, he has a little mustache, and when he's Big Daddy, he has, I think, fake mustache. Yes, oh, he does. Okay, I thought I was imagining that the whole time. Because it like burns off at the end and you can see the outline of it. Yeah, that was, yeah, the whole thing was, it was a weird performance. I, I don't know. I I wonder how much of it's a source material. I think they really were really slavish to the exactly following the beats. They were wanting to be very much just follow straight along with what the comic book did. I think they've learned a little bit more now that you don't necessarily have to do that. Um, but that was kind of the issue with a lot of the Mark Miller movies that got made a little bit earlier on, wasn't it? I don't, was that maybe the author making them do that? Because he, isn't isn't Mark Miller the same one as um, Sin City or no? Um, well, that's um, Frank Miller. Frank Miller. Okay, I'm just confusing the two then. Yeah, Mark Miller is the director, but he's also the same guy that did, um, they just came out Kingsman. Oh, okay, okay. So he did all those too, and he wrote them. And he directed them, but yeah, I it's still I, it kind of has once you hear that too, it, it does kind of have that same feel to it that he uses yeah. uh in, in the Kingsman too, which is like a strange, like realistic portrayal of something that isn't realistic at all. Yeah, and I think it's uh, my complaints about Kingsman are normally similar to what we're saying about this, where there's a lot of more interesting things I think they could have spent their time time on, but they go a different direction every time. All right, so now we're going to look at, uh, we've kind of talked about the Nicolas Cage performance. I thought that was, overall, was pretty good. He is a co-star on this one. He's not exactly the uh, the main the main guy 
I loved his portrayal of the father. It, it was the most normal thing in the whole movie. It made sense. The father-daughter dynamic was a little weird. Well, it's supposed to be. I think it's even more uncomfortable these days than it would have been back then. The fact that you called him Big Daddy, I think there's just a lot of... It's That's like weird. 20, it, yeah, it's... Because this one was made, and like I said, it was made in 2010. It's it's funny that even after 10 years, just the, the whole lens of the whole movie is just completely different now than it was. Yeah, I spent most of the movie, I don't think I would have used to think of it this way, but most of the movie I spent thinking about how it's like a really kind of sad story. Just the whole story of the dad going insane. Yeah. Then the daughter clearly doing all these things. So he, because he's interested in it and just like trying to get his attention, basically. It's a very depressing story. Yeah, it's a depressing on both sides. Both it's both sides have lost the mom figure in both families, and I, I suppose there's a lot of real. I think that's the whole problem is, is there's this real stuff going on in here, and they just kind of gloss over it, like they would in a comic book, because I think that a comic book just lends itself to more emotional emotional stability with that stuff. You can just you just feel it better. And in this one, it just kind of glosses over a lot of it. Even when they're telling the story about of how how he became Big Daddy and everything, it, it's turned into a comic book at that point. It, yeah. It just completely sucks out any of the feeling about the whole thing. And then there's just the whole idea of, I get basically child abuse. Yeah. Is what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it just turns into a, a story about child abuse in some ways. And you're like, I didn't think about this the first time I watched it. No, it wasn't. The first time I watched it, it was just a pretty run-of-the-mill action movie. But yeah, you know, the second time, it's it, impossible to miss all of that stuff. All right, so let's look at some of the other. So we, we've got 34 points to account for. Um, not the most points oh, we've really? ever had. Oh, is it just 34? It's just 34. It, it scored a 66 oh. out of 100. Which isn't great, but I mean, it's a it's a well made professional movie, um, <laughs> and the actors. I, I mean, let's start with um, let's start with the actors, because I don't have a lot of problems with a lot of the actors. Also, there are some real fun performances in this one that we didn't that I had forgotten about completely. Um, so, what were you thinking about the the cage stars? Who are who are your favorite favorite and least favorite people in the movie? Um, well, I like the um. Oh, this boy! I just forgot. Both of his friends were funny. Yeah, one of them, yeah. the guy who ends up being an intern on the office, I think, only a couple of years after this, and then the other one's the other Quicksilver. Yes. Um, and uh, they're both good. I still have an issue where the first time I ever saw the other Quicksilver, what's his name? Is it Evan Peters? Evan Peters. First time I ever saw him was in American Horror Story. And so every time I see him, the first memory that comes to my brain is him being a, a school shooter ghost. Um, and he plays that role really, really well. Um, but it makes like, I, when I first see him, I kind of like tense up. I'm afraid what's going to happen next. I, I feel the same way. And what's even funnier is I didn't, I watched American Horror Story. I just thought he was just some some kid, you know, some teenage actor that just threw out there. He's just a moody guy that just acts moody. And then you saw him at Quicksilver, as Quicksilver, and I was like, oh, because he can do comedy. I mean, that's the hardest yeah. thing in the world to do is if you can do comedy that well and do the serious stuff, he's a real actor. He can actually do all that stuff. 
And and then the other guy was just hilarious too. I mean, they're both perfect comedians and the whole thing. I think their lines were all the funniest stuff was actually some of my favorite stuff was when those two were on the screen. And then the other Quicksilver, who also I think he's supposed to be Craven the Hunter coming up soon. Is and, he? Uh, yeah, he's going to be the new Craven the Hunter. They're going to do a Craven movie because we can't just have well, Spider-Man is, movies. Is movie of just Craven the Hunter? I think so. I think it's Craven's Hunt or something. They're gonna they're gonna yeah. do that thing where they're they're trying. They still think they're gonna introduce each villain one at a time because we care as much about the villains as we do about Spider Man. Well, I think the bigger thing with them is that they have to produce a new Spider Man related property every two or three years to not lose the license. So that's why they originally <laughs> started doing all these villain movies, uh-huh. where so they had like an off season for Spider Man. Um, but I think they ended up just giving up on Fantastic Four because they had kind of the same deal going. Yeah, they'd ruined that too many times. It's too much money. Yeah, I thought. So, what did you think about Aaron Taylor Johnson? Was he good? Yeah, I don't know. I I wasn't really wowed by him. Um, he's not. He wasn't very interesting to me during any of it. But I think that might have just been more the the writing. But um, I was. I really. I was just more interested in the. Nicholas Cage and Chloe storyline than I was in whatever was supposed to be happening in this guy's life. Yeah, I had a, I, I the same way. I, and honestly, I was more, I would have been, had more fun just hanging out with his friends for a couple hours there too. Yeah. Cause they were hilarious. He was good. There's some weird stuff with him and the, his girlfriend too. Yeah. And the whole storyline about him being gay because. He got mugged in that. I don't know. <laughs> it was kind of just a dumb, like it didn't add anything to the movie. It was just stupid. Well, and once again, this is something that happened 12 years ago from a comic book that was written almost 20 years ago. Maybe slightly out of step for what's going on anymore. It's like, but then again, I mean, it is period, probably more period. The problem I had was he completely lied to her the whole way. And he, she forgives him in like what it was about three seconds. Oh, immediately, yeah. Immediately, yeah. It's not, even, yeah. it's not even just forgiving him. She kind of just doesn't even get upset about it. No, no, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, also, you're kidding. I feel like it would have been the easiest thing in the world for them there. And this might be getting into the writing for them to have her like a funny moment of her being like, You're not kick ass. She accepts that this guy is kick ass incredibly easy. And his suit, his suit looks less professional than the ones they're selling in the comic book store. <laughs> Nothing about him looks real. The suit they were selling that that guy got shot in was way more real looking than his like cloth one. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, the whole thing is. I mean, it's a comic book. I I I get. I wonder if they had a, like a discussion of do we really want to go through this whole he she has to forgive him thing, which mm-hmm. I'm glad we didn't have to go through that either, but. Somewhere in between, we could have maybe found something. Yeah, but they went. It just got really, really strange, really quick. And the whole movie from that point just spiraled to the end, like in like it seemed like three seconds. Um the the bad guy, um, the Miko. Yeah. He, I don't know. I didn't feel like he was the worst guy in the movie. Even no, like he was a criminal warlord, but he like actively tries to keep his kid out of being involved with what's going on yeah and he yeah i mean he obviously killed someone in the middle but when you're watching a someone force their child to kill people it didn't really 
didn't really phase me compared to what else we were saying. Yeah, he was preparing him slowly too. He didn't he didn't rush him into it. He let him be a kid for a while, let him grow up, and then put him into it. Maybe it's because he actually had a mother figure. I don't <laughs> don't know. The whole philosophy behind a parenting in this movie. Did she show up at all outside of that one scene where she tells him to sit back down? No, not really. She, I think she could. Yeah, well, that was the breakfast scene, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I think they were following, once again, I think they're following a comic book. And somebody should have said, you know, we're either going to have to cut a lot of this stuff out on one of these stories somewhere. Yeah. And the fact that this kid's going around with a bodyguard in a comic book store and all this other stuff, I mean, it's just, just bizarre. Yeah, the, 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 uh, the bodyguard was super funny, though. Yeah. I think just he, him coming back for the bazooka and saying, and they pointed it out, him saying, oh, yeah, everything's under control. And then he grabs a rocket launcher. All right. Anything all right. else on the actors? Uh, not really. I, I They were, I mean, they were all pretty good. Um. I don't think there's any. If I had to probably pick one that was probably my least favorite was the uh, what was the son the the bad guy's son the one that becomes the super villain. McLovin. I don't. Yeah, know McLovin. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I don't think he's a good actor. I'm beginning to no, suspect. Years completely. Yeah. Out of after this, like he does. I mean, he's in Super Bad, obviously, but then he did like, How to Train Your Dragon too, uh-huh. and that was. The only thing I recognize, he was uncredited in the disaster artist. But yeah, yeah. he kind of disappeared after this. He was in a bunch of stuff really quickly, and then I think everyone realized he's not he's not very funny. Well, the other thing is, I'm I'm guessing I haven't seen him lately, but I have a feeling that he probably did not age well. Into yeah, with his look, he, he looks like a guy that's going to look about as good as he's going to look when he's seventeen years old. Oh, I know that pain. Then, of course, we come back to our same thing over and over again. Writing and directing Matthew Vaughn. There are a couple other people uh, in here. Mark Myler and John Romano Jr. are both the comic book the comic book people, and they get a, have the writing credits, too. Let's see. Matthew Vaughn. Maybe I went on this wrong, but Matthew Vaughn. He, oh, he's the one that did the um, the Kingsman stuff. My no, my research no. is wrong here. Mark, no, Mark Miller did Kingsman also. Those oh, so right. they're they're attached to each other. Oh, that's a, okay. So they're like a team. That's an interesting thing that you have. I I guess maybe you just see his vision. So there was a tag team on the screenplay. I think it pretty much followed the comic book, and there was probably some brush up stuff on it. I think we talked about some of the lack of characterization. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it basically it's a comic book, and I think that's the problem. Is it's a comic book and a movie are two different things. You can't have them. You can't just take a comic book and put it straight onto the film, and then hope it all works out right. Because when you do that, you're missing all the little funny parts that go in the middle of it with the the background stuff and everything. And it's weird to me that they missed that because I feel like Watchmen did a much better job of it. I think it came out before this did. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah. and Watchmen wasn't even that well received either, but I feel like I would have stuck closer to what they were doing than what they decided to do in this movie. There may be also just the point that Frank Miller, as a comic book artist and as a writer, may be considered better than 
than this team. Mark Mylar. I, I think it's Mylar. Is it Mylar? Or I think it's Mylar. Anyway, I think even I think even the writers of this comic book of Kick-Ass would probably agree with that. I think everyone pretty much says Frank Miller's yeah. at the top. So um, if you watch even, if you look at the style, of, if you were going to film Watchmen and you just go frame by frame, each frame is small. There's just a thousand frames on each page. It wasn't like, a, I mean, it was, it, there was a lot more material there for a movie than there was with this one. And I think they, they could just added in more, some more stuff at the back background and maybe not done as many uh, swipes with the camera and all that other stuff that they do to make it look like a comic book. Um, the direction was good. I don't know. The action sequences are pretty good. The direction was okay. Um, it is. I mean, my biggest complaint for an action movie is the fact that they didn't do a good job at all of covering up stunt doubles. <laughs> like, it, I feel like it was very obvious that I was I wasn't watching the same people on the screen through a lot of the action scenes. Yeah, I didn't notice it so much. I really noticed it with Hit Girl, but the rest of them I didn't notice it as much. But yeah, it was there was a lot of uh, a lot of coverage problems where they weren't catching catching this person and that person there was the then they went into the like the stupid things where they went to the warehouse a couple times and they're torturing a guy and then then they were outside and hit you know hit girl and, and big daddy are attacking everybody inside i don't know it just seemed really like oh we're gonna sit outside here and then we're gonna have an action scene then we're gonna go sit outside here and then we'll have an action scene yeah Okay, so do we have anything else? Do we have any uh, hidden gems or anything in here that we thought was really good about the movie or anything that we were missing? No, I mean, like we said, the friends are the best part, I think. Nicolas Cage is the story between him and his daughter is good. Um, but yeah, overall, it's a very lackluster movie, I feel like. Yeah. Which surprised me, it got rated so high. Yeah, I, uh, I just I think once again it looks it looks right. Um, it's professionally made. I think all the people on the side on the side were were professionals. It it looks like a professionally made movie. I think sometimes when we're watching some of the air stuff that we've seen, it's actually more interesting. But at the same time, it doesn't look like a Hollywood movie. Yeah. I think people just don't like it. Then um, I would like to point out one other thing that I was bothering me on this movie and every other movie. If for whatever reason we have to uh, take down a a mob boss because he's killed our family or any part of our family. Well, we're gonna start... just go... Yeah, just go. We're gonna kill the we're gonna kill the top guy first. That's why I told Abby, why would you warn them? I don't yeah. care if their their business is gonna get ripped apart anyways. Just go kill the guy. Yeah. Kill the main guy. Kill the main guy. And then you can catch everyone else as they're running out, out of the place. But they always have to work their way up. Every it movie. was more that stuck out more to me because we're watching Ozark right now, and that's kind of what they prescribe to there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't ever get it. I don't. There's no logic to it. Um, and just the idea that these criminal organizations that aren't being caught, these massive ones, are so easily taken apart um, by by one person, kind of blows my mind because they spend just as much money as a real company on security. Yeah. And then, yeah, who's who's been dismantling? Who's I don't know, we're gonna take out a couple drug dealers now, and then we'll do this and everything else, and we'll draw them out there. You didn't have to draw the guy out in the open. I mean, he goes. You've got a marks. Both of you are marksmen with sniper rifles. What are we doing? 
He sits in a giant glass office, too. Yeah. A bad, bad strategy. And it comes back to bite him. All right. Well, I would say the good thing about this is, unfortunately, since Nichols, the bad thing is Nichols Cage dies in this movie. Good death scene. Uh, the good thing about him dying, though, is we aren't going to have to watch Kick-Ass 2. Yes. Because... Which is good, because the, the son is the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it brings out, uh, instead of, for their stunt casting, Jim Carrey. Comes really? In. Yeah, he's the, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's disappointing. It's just as bad as you would think it was. All right. Well, let's do a quick uh, who's who's at fault here. I really, um, I'm going to give the bad guy, what's his name? I don't even know his name. I'm going to give McLovin 10 points. Okay. Because his dad was a decent villain. I mean, they were all mob boss henchmen. They're all doing their job. But he was not, he was not entertaining to me at all. Um. The writers together, I'm going to probably give them 10 points too, and then give, I'd say, the director 14. Because he also yeah, is a writer. I'll accept I'll agree with you right on the dot on this one. Yeah, there's not. It's not even interesting enough to argue about. No. Yeah. No. I'm never going to think about this movie again until we do another ranking. <laughs> this might be my least favorite movie we've watched. Yeah, I think it's kind of the same way I was with the, with those other ones when we did the rankings. When I got to the end of it, it was like, this is a better movie, but I just never want to see this again. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am. All right, then. That is the end. Uh, thank you for listening to The Cage Equation with me, Drake Mickelson, and my co-host, Malcolm Mickelson. Uh, we'll be back again, I believe, next week. We have a few in the bag, so we will be releasing them hopefully on time every week once the first one comes up. Um, thank you once again, and have a great day.